Bennett, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, welcome. And uh, as I think back to last week, and likely for many of you, a uh, time where you celebrated Easter, I hope you had a, a great Easter. Um, I'm most certain you probably ate some uh, really good chocolate. Uh, for some of you, maybe you ate a little bit too much chocolate, and in doing so, there's a little bit of a sense of guilt, uh, a little bit a sense of remorse. Uh, but listen, listen, uh, I, I totally get it. I'm not, I'm not so much a, a chocolate guy. I'm more of a, a salty guy. And so I can, without a moment's notice, crush an entire bag of chips in one sitting. And so I know what it feels like. It feels so good in the moment, but then afterwards you feel bad, you feel guilty, you think and you tell yourself, I won't do that again, but then you do, don't you? Guilt is, guilt is a powerful emotion and it, it steps beyond just when we eat too much chocolate or eat an entire bag of chips. Uh, emotion remorse is that, is, that, is, is, is that feeling of guilt when we've done something wrong that we know we shouldn't have done. And even more than that, we, we, we know we should have done better. It's, it's not like guilt sets in because of an action where we're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea it was going to have that type of consequence. Guilt at its best lands in a place where we know, we know we should have done better. And we didn't. And this trickles into all of life, doesn't it? Perhaps maybe for some of you, you're like... Man, you have no idea the guilt I'm carrying, just, just the weight upon me right now for your past. Or maybe you, you were making a decision in business and you knew that if you did this, you would get ahead, but you knew deep down it wasn't the right thing to do, yet you did it anyways. Perhaps there's a sense of guilt over relationships, things you should not have said, or maybe things you should have said, but you didn't. Guilt is one of those things where you look back to the past and you struggle with it. You, you wish you could take things back or do things over, but it feels like I can't get there. And it becomes this weight upon you. Listen, we, we know guilt is such a powerful emotion that oftentimes we use it on others to get what we want, right? A, a guilt trip. You, you make someone feel bad so they'll do something that they wouldn't necessarily have done on their own. Maybe for some of you, that unfortunately has been your experience when it comes to church. That, that churches have placed guilt upon you to make you feel bad about yourself, to motivate good behavior. But that just seems so out of whack with what Jesus wants. So how do you handle your guilt? Because we all have it to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, for some, maybe we just try to deny it. We try to justify it. We, we, we try to bury it and say, listen, I'm not going to worry about it. It wasn't that big of a deal. The, the, the damage wasn't as big as I thought it was. Does it work? For others, we just promise we're going to do better next time right? Like, yes, we messed up. We're going to own it. And we're like, it's not going to happen again. But then it does. 
For others, you may just downward spiral into it. Not only have you messed up, but your past, the guilt of your past, defines your present and your future. And let's be honest, none of these are helpful solutions. None of these are, are beneficial. All of these just, just lay, lead to, to, to greater trauma and destruction. So how do we respond? For the last number of weeks, we've been doing a series called Encounters with God in Unexpected Places. And, and my hope through this series is, is that we would not only see God's posture to us in Jesus, but also land at a place of understanding that some of the most powerful encounters and experiences with God come in unexpected places. And today, I want to land on this place of guilt and start to look at how it's oftentimes in the midst of guilt that we can encounter God in an incredible way. Not in a way to make us feel even more guilty, but to not allow our guilt to damage us further and have the potential to lead to transformation. So what does it look like? I want to jump back to the Easter story and look at two specific individuals that were close to Jesus, Judas and Peter. Potentially those names are familiar to you. Well, Judas and Peter were part of the inner 12 of Jesus. They were with Jesus in the midst of it all. And if you know the story a little bit, these two would have experienced the greatest amount of guilt when they saw Jesus on the cross because they messed up royally. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He was the one in the garden who basically handed Jesus over to the religious authorities, gave them the proper place and the right time. And he did it for 30 pieces of silver, which in Jesus' day would have been the cost of a common slave. And so it was a pittance. Peter denied Jesus. Even after hours earlier said, listen, Jesus, if the rest of these jokers will walk away and run away from you, I never will. I will die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, 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 you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, never, never would I do that. Hours later, by a fire, people start to identify who Peter is as Jesus is being put on trial. And three times, Peter denies Jesus. Not just kind of with a shrug of the shoulders, but we're actually told, biblically, he like cursed Jesus' name out. He swore an oath. I never knew the man. Judas and Peter, they messed up royally. But as you start to look at their story, their lives ended completely differently. Judas, his life ended in tragedy. He, he took his own life. Peter was transformed. Peter became the leader of the movement of Jesus. I mean, he, he's the one who, who, who we have books of the Bible written by. He's the one who we now name churches and children after. Like, there's no church called Judas. No, there's no children called Judas, right? Like, we see the difference. And so the question is, is how do these two individuals who knew Jesus, hung out with Jesus, screwed up royally against Jesus, take such divergent paths. The first place we may go is think, well, maybe the difference was Peter felt guilty, that Peter felt sorry. But that wasn't the case. Both Peter and Judas felt sorry for what 
they did. In, in, in Matthew 26, this is what we read. This is the account of Peter. It says, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, but Peter denied it. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind and he went away and wept bitterly. Here we see it. Peter was filled with remorse. He was overcome with guilt to the point where he was weeping bitterly. So, so Peter felt sorry. Maybe that was the difference. It wasn't. Matthew 27, we see Judas' account after his betrayal of Jesus. It says, then Judas was sorry he handed Jesus over when he saw that Jesus was going to be killed. He took back the 30 pieces of silver and gave it to the head religious leaders and the other leaders. He said, I have sinned because I handed over a man who has done no wrong. And they said, what is that to us? That is your own doing. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. So, so tragic. Both Peter and Judas messed up. They sinned against God. They both felt incredibly guilty for it. Yet Judas' life ended in tragedy and Peter's life was transformed. So what happened? I think it's in the example of Peter and in Judas that we are given a glimpse. A window is opened up to how we can respond to our guilt in the midst of life. And it's found in an encounter that Jesus has with Peter in John 21. It comes after the resurrection. It comes at a time where some of the disciples are hanging out and Peter suggests that they go fishing. They've been out all night. They catch absolutely nothing. And they're bringing their boat back into shore. And there's what seems to them some random guy standing on the side of the shore. And he calls out to them. Hey, so how, like, how did the catch go? Which is, which is like the most annoying thing to be asked when you've been out all night and caught nothing. And they're like, we've nada, zilch, zip. We got nothing. The guy goes, well, why don't you just throw your net on the other side of the boat? Now, the Bible doesn't record this, but I wonder if the disciples in the boat are like, are you kidding me? Like, who is this guy? But amazingly, they do it. And as they do, their net is filled with fish. Like, they have a boatload of fish. And suddenly, it's in that moment that John, one of the disciples in the boat, recognizes that it is Jesus. And he says, it is the Lord. Peter is with him. And notice what Peter does next. John 21, verse 7, we read. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his fisherman's coat. He had taken it off. Then he jumped into the water. The other followers came in the boat. They were pulling the net with the fish. They were not far from the land, only a little way out. When they came to land, they saw fish and bread on a fire. Jesus said to them, come and eat. When they were finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter answered Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. 
Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt bad because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He answered Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's in this incredible encounter that Peter has with Jesus that I believe it begins to unlock how even in these moments of guilt, in the midst of life, how when we encounter God in the right way, our guilt will not lead to further trauma, but can lead to incredible transformation. So how does it happen? I love how the scene is set. We're told that once Peter realizes it's Jesus, he goes directly to him. Like, just imagine the image. He jumps out of the boat. It's probably like waist-high, chest-high water. And you know when you're in that kind of water, it's kind of like a half-swim, a half-thrash, like you're sort of running. Peter is making a beeline to Jesus. Like, why is that significant? Have you ever let someone down big time? Have you ever messed up? They know it, you know it, everyone else knows it. What's your initial reaction when you see them, say, coming down the street? Do you run to them with open arms? No, 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 likely you cross the street. You, you hope they don't recognize you. You may even drop your head because you are filled with shame. You, you are so filled with regret. You, you don't even know how they're going to respond to you. So you want to avoid them at all costs. That wasn't the case with Peter. He saw Jesus. He knew he messed up, and yet he ran to him. You see, Peter understood the grace of Jesus. And I would say one of the biggest mistakes between Peter and Judas was not the sin they committed, but in how they responded. You see, Judas kept it to himself. He took matters into his own hands, and his life ended tragically. Peter recognized that his guilt was too great and he needed to go to Jesus. You see, Peter had witnessed firsthand the posture of Jesus around others who had messed up, around people who had committed adultery, around people who had ripped others off financially, around, around people who had just not lived lives correctly people filled with guilt, and yet Jesus met them there. And that's what Peter wanted as well. And so I think for us, the, the first step to, to stepping through our guilt with God is recognizing that we want to meet Jesus in the midst of it. I, I say this over and over, that, that Jesus wants to meet you where you are at, but he doesn't leave us there. You see, the second thing we, we notice happening is once Peter has met Jesus, they, they sit around a fire, which is rather ironic because Peter would have denied Jesus around a fire, like the scene is set. And three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, at first glance, you may think, wait a second, wait a second. Is this Jesus getting passive aggressive? Is this Jesus playing the guilt card, going to take Peter down a guilt trip? Not even 
close. What you see Jesus doing is getting to the root of the issue. To bring about transforming grace, we need more than just what I'd refer to as like a, a surface clean. See, do, do you notice Jesus doesn't ask Peter, why did you deny me? Why did you deny me? Why did you deny me? No, he says, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? You see, Jesus wants to get to the root of the matter. He wants to get to our heart. And, and so often the, the big missteps of our lives materialize out of the fact that, that our hearts aren't always right with God. You see, Jesus will meet us where we are at, but he doesn't leave us there. Notice he doesn't say to Peter, listen, don't worry about it. No big deal. I rose from the grave. It's all good. No, no, no. No, he doesn't excuse it. He deals with it. And this is why I refer to the fact that when we come to Jesus, we have to realize that it's not just going to be a, a simple surface clean. You know what a surface clean is, right? It's, it's when you know you need to clean your house, but you don't really have the time to clean your house. And so you sort of tidy it up so that when guests show up just for an evening, they'll think your house is clean, but deep down you know it's not. It's when you kind of sweep things under the rug, you, you kind of do a quick wipe of the counter, you, you throw the extra shoes and clothing into the closet and be like, please don't open up the closet. But you know you can't maintain a house with just a surface clean, right? Because the filth will build up, will build up, will build up. I think sometimes when we come to Jesus, we just, we just want to surface clean. We just, we, we just want to kind of push through it quickly. But as we see Jesus with Peter, he goes deeper than that. He wants to get to the root of it. And this is how guilt can not only be forgiven, but be transformed. Because there's then a third thing that Jesus does. You notice, our, our, it seems kind of random, but every time when Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love me, love you. Jesus says, then feed my lambs or feed my sheep. Like what, what the heck is that all about? You see, guilt is truly transformed, not only when we are forgiven, but when we recognize that our past does not define our future. Jesus was essentially saying to Peter, not only are you forgiven, but I am going to use you to do incredible, incredible things. Peter went on to be one of the great leaders of the early church. And I have to think that as he was bringing others to Jesus, he, he would probably share his story of how he messed up royally. Have you ever considered that sometimes the greatest impact that we can have for Jesus is that when we have been forgiven, we can share some of our darkest moments and how not only God met us there, but it led us to transformation. Guilt is a powerful emotion. It ended Judas' life in tragedy. But it led Peter's life to transformation. And I believe the same can be true for you. When in our guilt, we come to Jesus, we let him examine our heart. We receive his grace, not only so that we are forgiven, but we realize that we can be used by him. 
So how does this happen? If I was to summarize everything I've said, if I was to summarize this one encounter that Peter has with Jesus, it would be with this one word, confession. <laughs> Maybe as you hear that word, you think, man, that's, that's a prickly word. That's a dangerous word. If I, if I confess, then I am basically putting my circumstances, my life in the hands of another. Exactly. A confession leads to transformation when we put our lives in the hands of Jesus because he is the one, he is the only one who can allow our past to be forgiven and to give us an even greater future. Guilt. Don't bury it. Don't try to do better by it. Don't spiral downward into it. Confess it. Bring it to Jesus as you are and experience his grace. In doing so, in doing so, you will experience transformation. Let us pray. And so, Lord Jesus, as we recount this story of Peter, may we see ourselves in it. I know I have messed up. I, I know others have messed up. We feel the sense of guilt and remorse, but may this be a stepping stone to realizing even more our need for you. I pray for those that are watching that the... These would not just be simply words, but this would be an action we take. That even as they sit here right now, that they would confess, that they would recognize their need for you. And that in doing so, Jesus, that, that they would experience your grace, your freedom. Jesus, we pray that the mistakes of our past would not destroy us, would not define us, but that we would experience your transforming grace as we bring them to you. For we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace of the Holy Spirit be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. Hi again, this is Leah. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. 
If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispres.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.